Let's move on to the other aspect, and that is, it says that he comes and he knocks at the door. Mm. And um, when we asked people to just Skype in and, and, and give any feedback, Anuska uh, did touch on this, this portion of the scripture. And, um, and Nadia, will you then just pick us up where, this is part of the beginning thing, so... Yeah, so the, the, him standing at the door and knocking and we open up. Um, the best way to kind of understand how this plays out is that once he comes in to dine with us, he doesn't say that after he's eaten, he's going to leave again. So we do get the sense that uh, he stands at the door and knocks. If we hear his voice and we open the door, then he comes in, but he comes in to stay. This is now permanent. And uh, so again... This then takes us back to the beginning steps of salvation, where we, in resurrection, we're res resurrected into him, positioned in him, seated with him in heavenly places, but also he pours out his eternal spirit into our beings. And so now there's a permanence in, in togetherness, in oneness, exactly. in being together. So we open the door, he comes in, but he comes in to, to stay. And so this refers us back to the very beginning of our, of our process with him. Let's look at this piece of scripture. It's um, a Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, we see the positioning of the Lord is outside. To begin with. And there's a door, there's a barrier that we need to open. Mm. Now this corresponds and correlates with the scriptures that speaks about him calling us or the calling of the Lord. Now that calling is to him, mm. to repentance, to the cross, to, to salvation, to, the image of to be conformed, <laughs> to answer him, to open your life. And we know that the response is I start responding in believing Allow him to draw me and lead me, to convict me. And the final repentance is going to the baptism water, laying down my life, uh, presenting myself for judgment mm -hmm. so that he can judge me guilty and yet take my guilt and my sin on the cross uh, with him. This happens outside of time because the cross has to exist outside of time at all times. So we know that this process is equals, and I go and I leave this realm and I step outside this realm into eternity so that I can come to the cross, repent as a sinner, confess myself to be a sinner, but also confess my need for salvation. Mm. And because of the trust that he will, he will and he can forgive my sin because he had made that known to me, which is faith. So he reveals to me, uh, re resurrection the body that is the new Jerusalem and he reveals to me that's a promise that's applicable to me I'm willing now to come to him for judgment and to confess myself as guilty and in the judgment that is true that I'm judged guilty not innocent because I'm guilty but that he's willing to pay the price by taking my life in its totality on the cross and so we die with him on the cross. It works out in our realm as I'm entering into partaking in his death through baptism. And I partake, then he takes my sin, my whole being, my whole life, 
on the cross as part of the price that he pays, his suffering, and he then dies where I partake in his death in baptism, in going under the water, and then he presents in the presence of God in the kingdom of heaven while he's dying on the cross. The moment he dies, he enters into the presence. He presents his perfect um, sacrifice that is accepted and then he's allowed to return for his body that is all of us as he returns for the physical body that's now lying in the grave. And that's all uh, working on so many different levels, spiritually and physically, that you can't isolate the spiritual and the physical uh, when it comes to that whole thing. At the same time, the cross outside of time becomes the judgment day. Me approaching him because of that call is me going outside of time to the judgment day that we know is somewhere in the future when his wrath has been poured out and all that has ever lived is raised and appears through the, uh, in front of the white throne judgment seat. I move from the moment of his call and my repentance. That's the opening the door. I go, I'm judged. My life is taken on the cross as he's dying. I, die, I go and I die in the baptism water to partake in that dying. And then he comes back from his sacrifice being accepted. He's resurrected in physical form. And in that, the Bible says, I was raised with him when he was raised. So the moment he, he comes in physical form and spiritual form, out of the grave, uh, he becomes the one man and we become part of that body. Although for 40 days, that's manifested on earth in, in human form, but it's also spiritual uh, uh, perfection. And... As I come out of the water and I'm resurrected in Messiah, He pours out His Spirit and I become a, a, a representative of that state of mm. being in the 40 days that's entering His rest. And that's why we no longer have to keep the Sabbath day. So that's how all of this comes together. And now I'm going to live that out, although I'm already seated in heavenly places. And this is the knocking uh, on the door. And the opening of the door is that whole process of answering his call, him coming in by his spirit, leading us to the place. And then he says he'll come in uh, to us. And now, see, that's when the Holy Spirit is poured out. But I'm at the same time seated in heavenly places as part of his household around the table. And so the Bible says now we have his household. So he comes in as his Holy Spirit. And he's bringing all the food. And it's very important to understand that he comes in to dine with us, but he brings all the food. <laughs> okay, and he's going to come break. Now that, that Last Supper, that's going to be a repetitive process. Breaking what is the eternal body, the eternal finished work. Breaking it as bread and giving it to us. And uh, the wine that is His blood, that is the new covenant, the wine of the new covenant, is continuously giving us, and, and this is our process of revelation upon revelation upon revelation, 
getting to understand the Word, getting to understand the Holy Spirit, getting to understand the Father's heart, getting to understand the mind of Messiah, entering into the realities of that. And that is all taking the form of a family just having a meal together and the one says, pass the gravy, and the other one says, can you pass the potatoes, please? And, and, and that person says, can you pass me something? I'll pass it on to them. And we call that church. And this all happens in the spiritual realm as a one big family around the table with him at the head and he's passing on the food. He's teaching us. He's breaking the bread. He's, he's giving us the wine. We're eating, but we're also passing it on to each other. That's church. That's fellowship. And so this picture is not a picture of he's going to come every morning and knock on our door and we have a choice do I open today or do I not open today forget about those kind of pictures this is the, the eternal eternal picture of he once I opened and he came in and this is now our eternal positioning around the table mm. and we are always in this process of eating and being fed and in fellowship and in intimacy and this is the process about growing this is discipleship and that's why the body becomes so vital in this process and the way that we're going to illustrate it to you now just to make sure that we don't misunderstand this mm -hmm. is that um, just as we've become one body can you make sure that we can yes. see the board so he stands at the door and knock, and if we open the door, he will come in and dine with us. Now, ideally, a house would look something like this because he's coming into our space. So here we would have the door where he knocks, we open, he comes in, and then the idea is that there's going to be in this space basically only a dining table where there will be the meal that's prepared and we will be sitting at the table and that will be it, fellowshipping together for eternity. But what we tend to do sometimes is, in the back, we would have these special rooms uh, that we use to uh, excuse ourselves sometimes. And uh, so this would be um, we'd be sitting at the table and then the, it would be the attitude of excuse me I just need to go take care of my personal business so these are kind of back rooms now when it says he's going to come in he's not going to come into all of our rooms he comes in for the one purpose of dining with us so these little back rooms that we create ourselves are for us to excuse ourselves for whatever reason from his intimate and personal fellowship to go deal with our own things now, when we started this uh, series and this teaching on, on the seventh letter, we did say that sometimes it could happen that we have areas in our lives that we have not exposed to him to bring to a point of boiling. Uh, now, we shouldn't confuse that with this. Uh, in this case, there's no such thing as, are there certain areas or certain rooms in my house that I just haven't opened the door to him yet? No. Uh, because he only instructs that he only says that he's only knocking on one door and that's to come into the house. If I insist on keeping separate little back rooms, then that's my own rebellion. That's my own disobedience in not wanting to be in his personal fellowship. Now, if we think of the reasons, what possible reason could there be for us to want to leave his uh, 
his person, his personal fellowship and, and, and his intimate fellowship, uh, it could only be for reasons of wanting to do something that we don't want him to see or don't want him to have part of or part with. Uh, and so that would be why these why these rooms exist. Actually, what, what I have noticed, though, those just understanding the the times when we're not at the table partaking in the in the the meal, the fellowship. I think the biggest problem that I've observed is when he's busy talking, and someone at the table is busy on their phone with something else. Sometimes we don't even leave. Sometimes we think that we're remaining in the spirit, but we're actually busy with something else. Some people will get up from the table, go into one of the back rooms to go do Bible study. Yes, that's true. When we actually just get busy with... Because he's in our life. The purpose is he knocked, he comes in. He's going to be busy with everything in our lives. He's there. He's moved in. And, and these areas manifest as when, when, mostly, firstly, in our thoughts, when I just take some time out mm. to think my own thoughts about things. Not in line with the word, just I'll go back to thinking my way. Mm. That's leaving the table. Um... And so if we can just stay put at the table and pay attention and eat the food, we should be fine. But we see this in the disciples as well. Mm. And they would often misunderstand what, what's going on. And we see it in fellowship. We see it when we fellowship. We're talking about something. And then without realizing, one of us can make a comment or, or make a contribution that's got nothing to do with what we're busy with. And the, this is exactly this, this picture of the mm. table. It's something that we can identify right now. Sometimes the Lord's busy with one thing and we're busy with the other thing. This will always have detrimental consequences. Mm. The, the thing that I want to talk about, the Lord might get to it in a month's time. But yeah. being around the table, being in the discipleship, we're supposed to be busy with what the Holy Spirit is busy with. And we can see, we've seen, and that's one of the reasons why we must get together and fellowship. In the time when we couldn't fellowship together, we could see how quickly people's attention went to whatever they're busy with, and they don't realize that they're no longer busy with what the Holy Spirit is busy with over here. And that's going to, it's like somebody, it's like a, a child getting separated from his mom in the morning. He was just looking in a different direction and before he knew it, gone. Mm. So we literally can prevent this from happening by paying attention. Mm. But it's because we are so selfish, we want to be busy with our own things. Mm. And the moment we go like, Lord, I hear what you're saying, but can I just draw your attention to this scripture? Have you seen this? So we're sitting around the table, the Lord is busy teaching, and we're going like, yes, but can I just make this little contribution? Maybe you haven't considered that this can also mean. Um, I know it's extreme, but that's what we do. The Holy Spirit's busy teaching you, mm -hmm. uh, me in my morning Bible study, 
And I go refer back to something that I read 10 years ago. And I go like, yes, Holy Spirit, I remember reading this. Mm. And I think actually this is applicable. Why not keep quiet and listen to mm. what the Holy Spirit is saying? And, and just as a side thought, uh, the connection might not necessarily be wrong. It's just not timely. It's just not what he's busy with now, uh, which makes it wrong. And we, we, just, we just hinder ourselves in this process. Mm. So if there's anything to learn from, uh, and, and we're just responding to what Anuska asked, this could mean, there's areas where we feel that we haven't opened the door to the Lord entering. He did enter. And he yeah. entered the hall. It's one space. It shouldn't be segmented anymore. Mm. There shouldn't be rooms. It should be Holy Spirit throne room. He's, he came and established his throne in the, in the mm. center of our lives. Mm. Bringing the kingdom of heaven into our lives. And I go like, well, I'd like to preserve just a little area for myself. It's still my life, you know. And that's mm. where we separate ourselves from wisdom. We separate ourselves from the word of God. We separate ourselves from prosperity, mm. from freedom, mm. um, from joy. And it's usually out of that back room that we have to overcome and repent. Um, to so, come back in. Mm. So now, you go like, oh gosh, I've got to go back in the room. Mm. So just also, it's, it's, it's not that we haven't opened the door for him to come into the different rooms. It's that the fact that we left the room that he's in. That's and we problem. shouldn't be having those little exactly. separate rooms. If there were no separate rooms, then we couldn't leave. <laughs> so if there's an area that you're saying, is this an area where I haven't opened the door for the Holy Spirit? Why is that there? That, down it's the not wall. about op- opening the door. It shouldn't be there. Yeah. There should be no such space. And if the space is there, that's the major repentance. That's be zealous to repent. Because that area shouldn't be there. It's as easy as that. Mm. Okay, so having said that, Let's go to seeing how the disciples also didn't pay attention. Yeah, so in Matthew chapter 16, we have the example from verse 5. It says, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Yahshua said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have taken no bread. (laughs) And then in the end, so Yahshua explains to them, saying, No, you misunderstood. And then in verse 12 it says, Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he's busy with spiritual doctrine. They're busy with, with physical things. Mm. And it's all of them. And we see the disciples doing this over now. Yeah, so just in the next chapter, chapter 17 of Matthew, it's the transfiguration on the mount where the Lord is transfigured, Elijah and Moses appear, and then Peter goes, oh Lord, it's good that we're here, let's make three tabernacles. I mean, you know the story, which is the same dynamic. Now, if Peter just paused, just paused and said, the Holy Spirit, give me wisdom, what are, what's happening? What, what exactly is happening? One of the most important Every events on earth is taking place. If he just sought to understand what's happening, just waited, not responded, rather just listened, observed, tried to understand, made the connections. He knew about all these things. 
He knows that they're on tabernacles. He could have, he could have probably avoided his response. Now, we're not saying he was that wrong. It's just a typical response. We're too quickly, too fast. We want to respond out of our ignorance. Or our assumption or presumption. An assumption or presumption. And then we see at the Last Supper, where the Lord is now going to minister to them the reality, the biggest revelation of the body from the, the foundations of the world to the finished work, how the body was one and broken and how His body becomes broken for us so that we can be one again. And the wine that is the new covenant, His blood spilled on the cross, He's literally going to sit down at the table and invite them to come into outside of time, to leave the realms, to go into eternity, to experience the reality of the kingdom of God, one man, Messiah. All of that's going to be ministered. He's going to establish the fulfilled covenant and fulfill the covenant through this act before he dies and are resurrected. Everything is outside of time. And the scripture is they're bickering about who's going to be most important in Heaven is so they're busy with their own little cons- uh, conversation. They tend to do that quite often. What a what a way to miss what's going on, and this is what happens in our minds. We go like I I'm figuring this out, or I'm busy with this. The moment we busy with me, we're gonna miss what the Lord is doing because He's mm. in the room. We're and at the, the table. The problem is we might be thinking, but we're busy with, with godly things. We're busy with the will of God. Because it's not like they left the Lord to go do their own thing or have their own chat. They're in His presence. And they're talking about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. So it seems like they're busy with the right things. But they're not in the moment. And they're not actually busy with what He's busy with. So let's le- learn all these lessons out of this piece of scripture. So knocking at the door. Uh, obviously, if you want to share the gospel with someone, this is one of the favorite scriptures to go and say we can identify when a person is sensing that the Lord is drawing them. That's the person that's not saved or person that's been going to church thought they were saved and the Lord is now knocking on the door and going like, I want to come in. This is obviously one of those scriptures that if we look at it from a different perspective, this is the opportunity to go. You can't say open your heart and let him in. No, it's the way that you answer the call is open the door so the Holy Spirit can start to come in so the Lord Yahushua can come in. But the way he's going to come in is you have to now consider the rest of the scriptures. The way he's going to come in is you've got to be baptized into him so that he can pour his spirit into you. This doesn't mean that you just start believing and he comes into your heart. Now, this is another false doctrine and false interpretation. So we can use this to preach the gospel. So he's knocking, just open the door. But it's not just open the door and invite him in. It doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. He comes by his Holy Spirit. You have to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be, be baptized into him and that means you have to partake in his death and resurrection very important to get that part right now then he says that those who overcome I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne 
Now it says, I will grant. You overcomes, I will grant. To sit with me, I will grant. So there's an, it's not just that you're baptized and you're seated with him in, her, in heavenly places. He says, if you overcome, I will grant that you sit with me. So there was the actual, I'm raised into Messiah, I'm baptized into Messiah, I'm resurrected, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. But if you overcome in staying hot, in repenting when you need to, in being zealous to repent, if you have grown cold, then he will grant you to actively uh, come into a position of more authority. He will grant you to sit in an elevated position where you can have the right perspective, mm -hmm. where you are securely seated with him, in him, uh, on his throne. And this is a place of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. He will grant you. So there's a granting that is linked to the overcoming. So in the first place, the overcoming of laying down life, answering the call, mm -hmm. leaving behind where we were and allowing him to separate you. But then in the walking out, uh, there's uh, just like the, the forgiveness on the cross that becomes forgiveness over and over for us, there's a granting over and over for us. Just like he said, overcame and he sat down on his father's throne. Now, that positioning uh, is very important because it's seated. Where are you seated? And that's mm -hmm. why we have these two steps that you check. Mm -hmm. Am I seated? Am I seated? Or am I securely seated where my vision and my vantage point and the direction I'm looking from and the direction I'm looking in mm. is correct. You know when you're looking from there to here. Now, if you find that you're not seated, then He will grant you if you overcome. And everything that we've talked before regarding this is the overcoming process in this. So you check your positioning, you're zealous to repent, reposition, sit down at the table, let Him feed you, come back into fellowship, Come back into agreement with the rest of the body around the table, into everything that is kingdom and word, everything the Holy Spirit is doing, that's intimacy. And then He will grant you also to be in a position elevated in authority where your vantage point and your vision, what you see and understand will be correct from a kingdom perspective. And also He overcame and sat down on His Father's uh, throne, and this is the covenantal uh, relationship that they have with each other. So not only will you be seated with him on his throne, he will again bring you into the fullness of their relationship. So he overcame and the Father uh, gave him uh, a full portion or a sharing of the Father's authority and positioning. It just points to the father wanting to bring his son into what he has. Not wanting to keep what is his and giving another portion to the father. And here we see that same relationship where the, the son, likewise, will want to bring us into what he has. And, um, and, and share his portion, his positioning that he has with the father with us. And that's the circle of relationship that is covenant. But I want to take us, and uh, we're also going to separate what I'm going to say now into a separate clip. 
But this is just going to transition us to the first letter. 